0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Welcome to Cody and Gold on a very special edition. Guests include Jason Brown at 11, Jay Binkley at 1, and now two guys... Who are definitely Cody and Gold, Nick Schwert and Dusty Likens.
2: Hey, I'm Nick Schwert, and that's Jed Marshall on the intro. Thank you so much, Jed, and thank you, audience. Dusty is uh, still I was talking, talking about to B Dub, man. Dusty's, you know, Dusty's not quite locked He calls him Mr. Ass. Yet. I'm good with that. Are you going to lock in now? What do you mean? Well, you were just talking to B-Dub about his tattoo. It's his first
3: tattoo is ever. Is that public
2: knowledge, by the way? He put it on Twitter. So, I mean, if you follow me, then you Can we you get know. the breaking news sounder? B-Dub is officially inked up? Chad was quick. He's like, oh, no. He's like, oh, I wasn't ready. But there he is, man. That's do you guys have tattoos? No, I don't. No. Really?
3: I have two. One of them's misspelled. Uh,
2: what's the first one?
3: Uh, the first one is a clover on my back shoulder. Misspelled tattoo. Says, belive, not believe. True story.
2: I do not believe it. I'll show it to you right now. <laughs> it just Look. annihilates. Crane kicked. Oh, my God. B-E-L-I-E. That's, wait, that's spelled correctly. No, it's
3: not. There's two E's in believe. There's only one there.
2: B-E-L-I-E-V-E. No, there's only one. It's C. B-E-L-I-E-V-E. Oh, my God. Dude, did you get that in prison? Yep.
1: This shows off to a roaring start.
2: Wait a minute. Where did you get that Don't tattoo? Don't steal stop signs. Where did you get that tattoo? Long time ago. How old were you? 18. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. True that story. so amazing. Straight up. Oh True story. Oh, my God. And what is that for? It's a cross. So that's like from, is that like for a family member that passed?
3: Nah, just a motto. Okay. 18-year-old life. We're like going to we're
2: gonna have to address that. You'll be all
3: right. Just adjust to it.
2: What's no, that? The bumping of the mic? Yeah, I think that's totally horrible. perfect. It sounds so bad. Yeah, okay. See, this is this is not what we want, boys. Listen, the text line is already confused because everybody thinks that Dusty and I sound the same. So just so it's clear, this is Dusty Likens. This is Nick Schwartz. Yeah, and we're happy to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. On a lovely Tuesday morning. The live in it. At 11 o'clock, Jason Brown, generic name. mm But you probably know him if you are familiar with Last Chance U. He was the head coach for Independence Community College. See, if I intro him that way, it doesn't sound nearly as impressive. A guy who coached community college for like three years. But he was on a Netflix television show. And since then, I guess he has started his own podcast where he promotes Chief Slander Mm. and Patrick Mahomes Slander. So... We're hey, giving him a platform yeah. today to do that, right?
3: Yeah, and I also want to see if he'll apologize for calling me a bad name. What did he call you? Uh he called me a
2: Richard writer. A Richard writer? Yeah, or a penis writer. Oh, writer, like a yeah. like a mm-hmm. like ghost writer. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought you meant like writer, like somebody who writes things on paper. Mm-hmm. Why did he call you a penis writer? Uh
3: well, it was during the playoff run and everyone was still kind of like confused if there was going to be an AFC championship game at Arrowhead or if it was going to be at Buff or Buffalo Stadium or Cincinnati or neutral site. And he just kind of had some obscure stat that didn't really – it wasn't really relevant because the game had been played and was over and uh, it was the Chiefs and the, and the Bengals no matter what. <laughs> and he said, no bleep, bleep writer. And I was just kind of like, okay, I don't really know. Oh, no uh,
2: S – no S D writer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he is sort of posturing himself as being like the contrarian to Mahomes. He is the one human being who thinks that he is not that great. That two Super Bowls in 5 years as a starter is not all that impressive, that he is not the best quarterback in the NFL, am I getting this right?
3: Yes, uh like he thinks that Chiefs fans don't know what they're talking about because they don't know the difference between a cover 2 and a cover 4. Mm. Um, Do
2: you know the difference between a cover 2 and a cover 4?
3: Absolutely not. I know that in Madden there's four uh, Uh, yellow spots and in the uh, other one um, there's two yellow spots for a cover two and a cover two you're supposed to take away the quick outs I think so that's why Uh the cornerbacks always get pick sixes in Madden Um, but uh, no I don't know I don't know diddly-poo about uh, NFL plays or football plays but I know for a fact that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football
2: yeah it's like honestly one of the easiest arguments to make without really getting challenged on it which is why I would assume this guy who is trying to uh, I guess get f- listeners
3: to I mean podcast the way it is, kind of rubs me off is that it's kind of saying like if you like golf and you think Tiger Woods is the greatest you would be like actually he's not this guy is because you don't know the loft of a, of a four iron compared to a five iron it's like do I need to know that to yeah, know that the 14-time major winning champion is the best golfer I've ever seen? I had just
2: watched the guy fire up a bogey-free 63 on Sunday yeah. to win a major. With no.
3: one leg and half an arm and a really rough life. Yeah.
2: Okay. So um, we'll get more into this. He's going to join us uh, coming up at 11 o'clock. I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical about this because this guy's a loose, he's a loose cannon, and he seems like he's just sort of – dare I say shock jock.
3: And I, I want to get this off my chest because I know there's going to be a lot of you people that are going to reach out to us and be like, yeah, don't give him the, don't give him the space. He's just trying to stay relevant. That may be right. That's probably true. But I mean, you don't need to be out here calling chiefs fans, wussies, except not with a W and you don't need to be like name calling people for giving you obvious facts. Plus like, why do I have to know like that's all I I I'm just intrigued by questions. This interview might be five minutes, it might be ten minutes. I doubt that. But I I, I just I just find it odd that like someone who's hanging on to a Netflix show that's been over for seven years, hmm. someone who wears a visor backwards um and is bald and is telling me how wow. I have to be knowledgeable in order to understand things. Like I just I don't I so, don't understand. So what that's all I want. Re-
2: so what this really is is we're giving Dusty the platform to sort of settle a grievance yep. that he has with someone. That's what we're doing, right? It's a new year. The offseason is officially here, so we can put to the 2022-2023 season to bed. We can't do that until Dusty squashes the beef with Jason Brown. We do that at 11 o'clock. Yep. Jay Binkley of 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City will be joining us at 1 o'clock. A lot of Jays because today it marks one week from the NFL combine, which is a top three event on the calendar for Mm -hmm. Jay Binkley. So we're going to let him, he's going to join us coming up uh, at one o'clock. He'll join us in studio. We'll talk about not just the draft as a whole, but specifically the chiefs. Now, Current, right now, as it stands, they have nine draft picks. They're going to get more with guys. They lost in free agency last year. I think it's going to be up around 11 or 12 by the time it's said and done. What are the Chiefs going to do with those draft picks? What does this class look like? We'll talk to Jay about that coming up at 1 o'clock. But today is franchise tag day. Today is the first day the teams can put franchise tags on players in the NFL. And as has been the case all year long, I think most people in Kansas City are operating under the assumption that the Chiefs franchise tag is going to be placed yet again on Orlando Brown Jr. It seems like a foregone conclusion, right? Are we even entertaining the possibility that this could go to Juju or somebody else on the team? We know we know what he made last year. The franchise tag numbers are out. It's about $18 million, but because he was tagged last season, that number is going to be about $20 million mm-hmm. for Orlando Brown Jr. That is happening, right? Are we all in agreement there? Yeah, I mean... The Juju situation, I understand that like there's been all the
3: publicity of how he's happy here, he enjoys it here. The Patrick Mahomes signed jersey to the free agent story it comes out. If you tag Juju, he's getting 19 million. That's the receiver number close to 20 as well. I think Juju's going to get more than that per year as a free agent. I think he'll just I think someone will sign him because he's the top name in his market. Orlando Brown Jr. Left tackle, I think there's a possibility you tag that, like you said, that's close to 20 million because it's a tag tag back to back. The thing is, it's interesting with Orlando Brown Jr. Because his agent is, a. this will be his second year ever running the market. And if there's one thing that's interesting is that I don't think that Orlando Brown Jr. is a top five left tackle in the league. And if you look at the top five left tackles in the league, I think there is, you know, egregious money there that I don't think Orlando Brown is, is going to make in Kansas city. Cause if there's one thing that we know, Brett Veach has always heard the phrase. I want to be top player blank. You're never a top player paid by the Kansas city chiefs. Like last year, it was the Tyree kill thing, which led to a trade.
2: Um, but it depends I think on your position, right? Because I mean the left tackle, we don't even have the top paid quarterback in the league. Left tackle is the third highest paid position in the NFL behind right. wide receiver and quarterback.
3: Correct. And edge rushers a little close to it as well. But I think that if you think in all seriousness, and I think where things have been led to believe way back in November, even talking to Nate Taylor and Pete Sweeney about that, is that there's always been the vision of tagging Orlando Brown and then seeing where that goes. Now, what the chiefs do with their 11 picks in the draft or what they do with, you know, trades. I have no idea, but the obvious situation here is that you're not tagging Juju Smith-Schuster because I do think you can either get Juju on a team-friendly deal for a discount here in Kansas City, which is what Pete Sweeney told me a week ago, or Juju goes and tests the market as the top receiver in his market because it's a very um, diluted field this year, as opposed to last year where people were getting their their fifth-year option picked up or their fourth-year option picked up, and there was you know free agency going on and. A different level than it is a year. receiver.
2: Okay, so if we're all operating with the belief that whether it happens today or sometime in the next seven days, that Orlando Brown Jr. is going to get the franchise tag placed on him, mm-hmm. that does not end the Orlando Brown Jr. saga, if you will, in Kansas City, because there still is a big question mark as to what is the long term solution going to be. Are you going to give him that massive contract extension? Or is this just never going to be a situation where the, t- the sides are going to come to an agreement? It's a weird offseason in that last year, even though we, we thought that Tyreek Hill was going to get extended, I don't remember entering the offseason thinking that it was this big cloud hanging over the organization because I think we just uh, assumed it was going to happen. Nobody thought he was going to end up getting traded. So that mm-hmm. was sort of something that came out of nowhere. Frank Clark, you kind of felt like he was going to get cut. That was a little bit of a surprise when they were able to restructure his deal and bring him back for a, a really team-friendly. Well, I think you thought he'd get cut if he didn't restructure. Yeah. So as the Chiefs enter the offseason now, we are a little over a week removed from the Super Bowl win. What are the What are the top priorities? Like, where do you start on the list of priorities for Brett Veach and what you need to get done? Because Orlando Brown Jr. seems like the big one, but it also seems like we kind of know what's going to happen there. Then you've got a guy who just had a career season, exercised some demons in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. and now enters the offseason as one of the two or three pillars of your organization, and that's Chris Jones. To me, priority number one, is getting that guy locked up on a new contract extension. Because I think a year ago, we weren't certain that that was going to happen. He go, he's coming off of his best season as a pro. And coming into this year, he was, what, four years removed from the last time he had had double-digit sacks in a season? So it wasn't this belief that we knew he was going to get a contract extension. But after the year that he had, and having the performance that he had in the postseason— I don't envision a scenario where the chiefs aren't trying to once again, make him one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid interior pass rushers in the NFL.
3: Yeah. Cause what is it? 26 million. If they pick up the option this next year, he's getting ready to turn North of 30 years old. The other thing that goes well for him is that he's now clearly the best defensive tackle in football. I think he has surpassed he Aaron, Aaron Donald, Donald for yeah. sure. Um, but the thing that's weird is, like, what's the price with the extension? Because it's another one of those positions that once you get north of 30, then the production tends to kind of stall out. That's kind of what happened
2: to. Can I give you some numbers? Yeah. So if you want to go based off fully guaranteed, Aaron Donald, he's 32, which is almost shocking. He's three years older than Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. His contract was $95 million total, about 31 per and $46.5 million guaranteed. Chris Jones' last deal, which at the time was a market-setting deal, mm-hmm. $80 million total, $20 million per, about $37 million guaranteed. Is Chris Jones going to get Aaron Donald money? That is the real, Is that what he is expecting after the year that he just had? And what you just said, which I think is true, and most mm-hmm. people around the league would agree, he may have passed Aaron Donald. Sure. I mean, there's no question he had a better season last year. The question, I guess, that you could only ask is, will that continue? Is he going to keep doing that? Can Chris Jones ask for an Aaron Donald type deal after the year that he just had? Sure. It just may not come with the Kansas City Chiefs. But then again, like, say Chris
3: Jones plays this year and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent next year and he goes to the market at 32. Are you really going to sit down and complain Wow, like we don't have this guy anymore. Are you gonna look at it from the big picture? And I think that's something that happens a lot with football is that you you're afraid of losing what is now but may not be there in the long run, right? So to go back a little bit of your conversation that you were having, Tyreek Hill, we didn't have a cloud over it because they figured with Veach and with Mahomes and being this this run of a team that there was probably a way that you could, you know, keep Tyreek Hill for for a good price which they were doing. And then Devonte Adams went to Vegas and set the market. And then that's when Tyree Hill and his agent were like, okay, we want to be the top paid. And as soon as the chiefs heard that they aborted the mission, they're like, we're not doing that. We had a contract with you where you're going to make 23, 24. And Tyree kills cap hit this year is $31 million in Miami. So the chiefs were not doing that. Um, Orlando Brown top left tackle. no, Good left tackle. Yes. One thing that a lot of people will use as a cliche that you had mentioned earlier in the bullpen was that left tackle is the most important position for a quarterback that you're trying to protect. That is very used by a lot of people, right? Do you necessarily need a top six, top five left tackle in the league right now with your quarterback?
2: It's all all arbitrary, right? Right.
3: Who's 27, 28. This all kind of shifts. The other thing that you can also put into this conversation is who's to say Brett Veach hasn't found a left tackle already. And he's willing to, like you said, tag and trade Orlando Brown, move up in the draft and go get something else like a wide receiver who Jay Binkley, who will join us at one, thinks the chiefs are drafting, which he thinks that is their essential need, which then comes full circle in the conversation. Juju is gone. You've moved up. You use your experience. McCole Hardman's having surgery today. In case you didn't know that. Um, is there, is he going to get signed by a team or can you get him on a cheap two year deal? Keep that type of receiver within your system and just keep moving forward because as we've seen the most important part of your team is 15. Does he need a top receiver in the league? Clearly not. Does he need a top left tackle in the league? He didn't for most of the season, Yeah. right? There were some pressures and a lot of people were nervous about his health, but again, Patrick Mahomes didn't get hurt because of Orlando Brown. Patrick Mahomes got hurt because he moved him in the pocket and the guy dove on his ankle in the Jacksonville game, and that's what caused the injury. Patrick Mahomes, previously when he got hurt, didn't get hurt because of his left tackle. Patrick Mahomes got hurt because he did a QB sneak and his kneecap went in the side of his leg. So, it's interesting to look at it, but if Orlando Brown is trying to be a top-five paid left tackle, it will not happen in Kansas City. I think I stand strongly
2: on that hill. I agree, I don't, and I don't think that is to say that the Chiefs wouldn't pay somebody to be a, a top-five left sure. tackle. I don't think Orlando Brown Jr. is that guy. That's fair. That's also I also think that if you're trying to go back to back, personally, Chris Jones is more important at that run than it is for Orlando Brown. And I think if there's one thing, because it's important to remember with Brett Veach, too, right? We look at mm-hmm. every little decision that he's made to try and predict what he's going to do in the future. But it's important to remember that last offseason was really the first time in his career where he was operating under different circumstances. That's why I, I thought that last offseason and this season Was the first of the second chapter of the Mahomes era Mm -hmm. because it was the first time where he was A, without Tyreek Hill, and B, playing on a massive contract. Sure. They would have moved the money around. They didn't have to because they didn't give off one of those massive deals last year. So Mahomes took a bigger cap hit last season than he did previous. Brett Veach is now operating under different circumstances that you have a quarterback on a mega deal. And when you do that, I think it is even more imperative to not overpay players. And it doesn't matter the positional value. You put a line in the sand for every single player that you would either consider giving a contract to or giving an extension to. And it doesn't matter if it's Tyreek Hill or Chris Jones or Orlando Brown Jr. There is a, there is a, num- a level of comfort and a number that you're willing to go to. And then there is a threshold that you're not willing to cross. I don't think there is a player maybe outside of Patrick Mahomes where that is not the case. So if it ends up being that Orlando Brown Jr. wants twenty four million dollars per year, cool. We'll give you the the franchise tag. Now we're going to trade you. We're going to package you with our first round pick. We'll trade up to the eleventh overall pick, and we'll go get a guy there. But we're not going to make you uh, a contract offer that is beyond our level level of comfort. Same thing goes for Chris Jones. You want twenty eight million per sure. You want thirty million? Okay, we're getting kind of close. You want thirty two? Now we're uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? We're not going to leverage the future. Just to get you for two or three more years. I think that is going to be the case across the board. We'll get more into that coming up in a bit. Over the weekend, I think it happened on Friday morning. Um, it became somewhat apparent that Eric Bieniemy was going to take the Washington Commanders' offensive coordinator position. Mm-hmm. We're all under the belief that Matt Nagy is going to be that guy. Andy Reid is going to interview candidates, but Matt Nagy is going to be the next offensive coordinator. I don't think I'm breaking any news. Even if you want to play the breaking news sounder, I don't think I'm breaking any news. Matt Nagy will be the OC. If he's not, there's a serious problem. He will return to a position that he held uh, most recently in 2017 in Patrick Mahomes' rookie season. So Matt Nagy returns to a very familiar spot. He's familiar with... Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes seems to love him very well a lot. Here's the question I have now for the future as this train kind of gets back on track of offensive coordinators moving along because that was the problem beyond just bigger picture issues that you have with Eric Bieniemy not getting an opportunity to be a head coach. It created a logjam that you don't want if you're Andy Reid. You want to keep that train moving so you can keep bringing in attractive, young, qualified candidates. If Nagy is now the OC... And you start to think long-term. Uh-huh. Is he in line to be Andy Reid's successor in Kansas City? Is it too early to even have that conversation? Because even if it is, right? And I know we'll get texts that will say, why are we even talking about Andy Reid leaving? It's a nat- We do it with, uh, we do. I'm, I'm a KU fan. People do it with Bill Self. They've been doing it for Bill Self for 10 years. If Bill Self retired tomorrow, who are they calling? If Andy Reid retires in two years, is Matt Nagy in line to be the next head coach in Kansas City? Because if he is, I'm not going to lie to you, Dusty. That makes me a little uncomfortable. Why? Because I saw what happened with Matt Nagy in Chicago, and we can make excuses for why that happened. And, okay, well. He coach ha- of the year? Playoff? Okay. How did it end?
3: A lot of miscommunication between he and the front office. And control of what to do, and they didn't okay, want to okay. give him any uh, control. I'm just going
2: to ask you a very, sp- uh, uh, very specific question, then. Are you comfortable with the idea, like, closing your eyes and picturing Matt Nagy being named the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs in, let's say, year 2027? Yeah. (sighs) Because by then, I don't think it matters who the head coach is. I don't know if I'm willing to say that ever. Okay. In the NFL, we see the effect that head coaches have. Like on a game-to-game basis, on a quarter-to-quarter play-to-play basis. You're seeing now that it didn't matter who the head coach was in New England. Are we seeing that exactly? How's New England been since Brady left? I mean, they did have a top-two defense like every single year. That's fine. There. How? Okay. Maybe not top-two. It's a little but, egregious. But on, 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 average, on okay. average, his Super Bowl but winning. But without
3: him, and they have that defense, are I mean, who are the top-two defensive teams this year in the NFL? San Francisco, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, how'd they end up?
2: Well, in the the NFC championship game, and one went to the Super Bowl. Did they win Super Bowls? No, but come on,
3: come on. My thing is, by the time that Andy Reid, I do believe this to be true, so there's a lot to this, but I think that when Andy Reid wins one more, his career, to him at least, and I don't know this, I've never had a conversation with him, I would believe that three rings for Andy Reid, because I think he's a very humble guy, he's not greedy, I think three rings on one hand is enough for Andy to be like, you know what, I've done it. I've made my state. I've made my, my acclaim that I am a top three coach all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm beyond, you know, all the guys up there. And I think with three rings with Patrick Mahomes at the age of 70, I've done enough, right. I've, I've chased enough. I can, because I think he's what 64, 65. So that'd be like five more years. He wins one more ring, maybe two. I don't know. Um, and I think, when you take Andy Reed out of the mix and you've got a guy like Matt Nagy, who was the OC here, who was very close to Patrick Mahomes before he left. We know that because he was giving him the answers to the test. That is the Andy Reed test of what he needed to do to prove to Andy, that he was the guy. So we know that relationships there. That's key point. Number one for me, what's your relationship with the quarterback who is the best quarterback in football and one of the top three quarterbacks we've ever seen. Fantastic. That's all I need. Okay, perfect. You now have a very big humbling step in your career. You are a coach of the year, a playoff coach, given a lot of control. Granted, it's not your fault. They had Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback. It's unfortunate. But the thing is, is now you've been knocked down a level, right? It's like being a general manager at a restaurant. And now you're the service manager in the same restaurant, but at a different location.
2: That's kind of what Matt Nagy is. This is is now, but this is now. You're at a five star Michelin restaurant again. But you're not the
3: GM. But you're going to be because we know you can do it. But you need to learn a little bit more things. You need to be polished a little bit better. And that's Matt Nagy. So then, I think we all knew that Nagy was going to be the head coach the minute he came over as the offensive coordinator. Like the second he was here. Oh yeah. I think you have him here and. That also opens the door for a lot of people to be concerned. I think this is why Nagy was probably getting housed at the parade. Yes, he's celebrating a Super Bowl ring. He's also knowing for a fact that the enemy was probably getting hired. They know before you do, and I do, and anybody. And then it's like, oh, man, like, very soon I'm going to have the keys to this car. Now, there are people that think, okay, please don't wreck it. Like, keep it the way it is. It's not just a car, though, right? Right, it's a Maserati. Uh-huh. So the other thing, too, about this is that, like, but at this point, so let's say we give Andy Reid four more years. That makes Patrick Mahomes. We're going to call him 28 because by this next season starts in September, he will be 28. So that'll make Patrick Mahomes 32, 31 years old. By then, there is not anything in this league that he has not seen, that he does not know, that he does not know how to control. Hell, he might be already there at 27. So this is like a Peyton Manning. So this is one of those things Gary where, like, You can have your court. You can have your head coach in Matt Nagy. But at that point in Patrick Mahomes' career, he's going to be like, all right, let's just have a conversation. Offensive coordinator, that's cool. Head coach, we know how it runs. And that's kind of the thing that kind of went sour with Montana and Schottenheimer is that, like, Montana's like, hey, man, I got four rings. I'm a Hall of Fame quarterback. Let me control it. And Schottenheimer was kind of like, yeah
2: yeah I think it's interesting, and I want to get more into this later because there's different dynamics when you have an offensive coach versus a defensive coach, right? Like Bill Belichick was a defensive coach, so it was really more Brady working with Josh McDaniel. So it was more about just having that relationship. You have Peyton Manning who goes to Denver and he's and no one like Gary Kubiak is going to be a trivia question in ten years. Like who was the head coach of Peyton Manning's Super Bowl winning team? the number one offense in the NFL. Nobody thinks of Gary Kubiak as being one of the most brilliant offensive minds in the history of the NFL, but that becomes the question with Mahomes. I think that's a big part of it. You're right, is how much trust you just have in him to be able to work with anyone? Because we know being a good play caller, being a good offensive mind is only a part of the equation when it comes to being a really good head coach and, and leading an organization. We'll get more into this coming up in a bit, but the NFL Combine is a week from today. What should Brett Veach and Andy Reid be focusing on? We'll talk about it next. 610 Sports Radio. All right, guys. I'm Nick Schwert, Dusty Likens, Jed Marshall, Cody and Gold on Six Ten Sports Radio. Ugh. We're gonna talk to Jason Brown of Last Chance U Fame. Ugh. He has recently called Patrick Mahomes a gimmicky quarterback. hmm He thinks that uh, Kansas City Chiefs fans, including Dusty Likens, are bleep writers. Um, okay. Well, that you said it. He didn't call Chiefs fans that, just me. No, He. yes, he did. No, he didn't. I had to suffer through one of his podcast episodes yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just to do a little – what? Jed's giving me a, a side eye like I did something wrong. Why
1: did you listen to it?
2: Because we're having him on as a guest. I wanted to do a little research. I wanted to be educated on what he's been saying. So I, I fast forward. I've skipped through a lot because he just – Patrick dude. Mahomes is a gimmick quarterback. Okay. That guy. Okay, so that guy. Dude, I. it's like his episodes are like two and a half hours long, and he cusses so much like a 14-year-old who finally – What? Is this why you wanted me to fill in today? <laughs> what? What do you mean? So you can do the dump? Button? Oh yeah, dude. Just have the finger ready. Have you been doing stretches? You won't cuss. I okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I would be ready. I would be hovering. And people ask, you know, why are you giving this guy a platform? Because it's funny. That's why. Because I think it'll be fun.
3: Yeah, and he
2: needs to apologize. He needs to. Yeah, we're you're gonna you're gonna coerce an apology out of him today, Dusty? Well, I'm just gonna try to like, you know, well, why do we have to be so mean? <sighs> Man, words to live by. Dusty Likens 2024. Also an announcement, because football season... It's cool to care, man. ...is officially over. I agree. Basketball season is now in full effect, and we are excited to announce right here on Cody and Gold... That Grady Dix arrived? We are announcing one and done night on 610 Sports Radio starting Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Three hours, three consecutive hours... Of college basketball talk covering all of your local teams. We've got John Kurtz. Oh, I guess we're not doing after hours on Wednesday night anymore, Jen. Talking K-State at 6 o'clock. Make room. Let's Make way,
3: boys. Hey, Dusty, here's a show at nights. By the way, we're going to take three of them away from you. I'm kidding. I'm happy for this.
2: Uh, Nick Schwert, myself, talking KU at 7 o'clock. Feel free to join me if you want, Dusty. And then Carrington Harrison, a.k.a. CDOT. That's what people call him. Going to be talking Mizzou at 8 p.m. So, John Kurtz, myself, CDOT, K-State, KU, Mizzou, three straight hours. And if you're just a college basketball sicko, you can wa- you can listen from 6 to 9 p.m. And we've got all of your local teams covered. So, that is coming up one and done nights here on 610 Sports Radio. Excited for that because uh, my Jayhawks are starting to look like a national championship contender yet again, boys. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Also, Jed's Jayhawks. Uh, our Jayhawks. We got, wow, yeah. we got three Jayhawks. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't go there.
1: I'm not as big of a homer, either. I'm a mule,
2: man. You know? I'm a... Not a homer. I'm an ass. Mule, but all all of you guys, everybody in this room roots for KU, so I'm not going to hear anything other. I mean, I'm glad to see that Grady Dick has
3: finally arrived. That man was ruthless in the first half last night
2: Uh, he's getting kind of hot seems to be figuring this whole thing out
3: a little bit is he gone for sure or is that a later conversation he's gone he's gone he can't make enough nil money where he's already comfortable doesn't need to go to the league could wait to be like a top five pick
2: is he a top 10 is he i don't think so yeah i think yes and yes i think he's probably a a, somewhere in the 9 to 13 range i I don't know we don't know enough about the money that's coming in i know at the beginning of the season class coming out right Right. It's I think it's pretty heavy 1 through 4ish. Mm-hmm. And then from there it gets kind of weak and if you're a 68 guy with an absolute yapper, teams are going to want some of that. So, yeah. I think I don't think we're there yet with NIL money. Okay. I know he was making a, but I think it was a little over a quarter of a mil at the beginning of the year that was reported Jeez. by on3. I think that number's gone up cuz he's added endorsements throughout yeah. the season. But I think we're still a ways away from NIL money matching what you're going to make in terms of guaranteed money for a lottery pick. We've still got a ways to go. Think about being to 19 years
3: old in college, making a quarter million. Like how cool
2: your place would be. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. It'd be pretty awesome. And the funny thing is, is like these guys were already making that money, except sure. now it's in a check instead of a duffel bag under mm, their bed. Which is fine. That's the only difference. There's some cool stories that I can maybe get to later. Yeah, the Linda White one is the one that always sticks out. Yeah, there's some there's some KU stories that I heard that were pretty pretty hilarious about the...
3: Is that what we're going to get on Wednesday nights? It's like the duffel bag days? The duffel bag diaries at the end of the show? <laughs> duffel bag <laughs> diaries. I actually really what like What if that. I told you one man had one bag for one year? What if that they... man was Brandon Rush.
2: What if I told you one yeah. Kansas freshman paid for Domino's pizzas... With $100 bills stuffed inside of an Adidas duffel bag underneath his bed.
3: And when they said, did you want extra garlic butter? That was hint for a $10,000 side bonus.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was a profitable time to be a pizza delivery guy in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, Okay, so the NFL Combine is a week from today in Indianapolis. The Chiefs hold the 31st overall pick. Now they do have a lot of draft picks. Nine as it currently stands. Once they get the compensation picks for free agents lost last year, that number is going to be, I think, 11, maybe 12 picks when it's all said and done. Last year was, I mean, a master class in drafting from Brett Veach. Just look at the different rookies who made plays, massive plays in critical moments during the playoffs this past season. Uh Slam dunk draft for Brett Veach. Now he's in yet again a similar situation with a bevy of picks. What should the strategy be? Should it be the same thing that we saw a year ago going for depth, positional value, getting multiple starters in the secondary, getting a day one starter in George Karloftis, a guy in Sky Moore who at times looked like he may be on the outside looking in then all of a sudden played his best football when the Chiefs needed it the most? Or is this a time to pivot if you're Brett Veach? Do you look at the roster that you (laughs) assembled? Do you look at the draft class that you had last year and say, Why draft for more depth when we got all of the depth that we needed a season ago? Is this the opportunity to potentially try and move up and get some bigger, higher upside instant impact guys than maybe you were going for last season?
3: That's a good question for Jay Binkley. Um, Okay, but also uh, Jay Binkley at one o'clock. So we'll go to Fox Sports Radio until 1 p.m. No, I think that the number one strategy as a fan watching this is to just absolutely trust in Brett Veach. Um, I think ironically, where the Chiefs were the weakest this year was probably wide receiver, right? Like your best receiving option was still your tight end, who is an all-world galaxy universe tight end. I'll give them that for sure. But I mean, Juju Smith Schuster, MBS, Michael Hardman missed a ton of games, Sky Moore just now starting to get into the motion. I think that's a position that you could address because, I mean, you saw what Patrick Mahomes did with that as his receiving core. Um, but it always seems that Brett Veach is always like four steps ahead above everybody else, right? Karloftis, McDuffie. McDuffie was a tremendous pick from, from Brett Veach, and all we heard after the draft was completed was that Brett Veach got two steals in the first round with Karloftis and McDuffie. And then you go beyond that, right? And you, you look at what he did year previous where he got Nick Bolton right and and he was a rookie made an impact and then he had like what could have been an M- MVP Super Bowl if that other if that other fumble counts he, he might have been it and you know you look at the years that that every year that this team has needed something Brett Beach has found it put a band-aid on it sealed it and got it removed right the defense was bad he brought in Tyron Matthew you got a voice on that side of the football you got a new defensive coordinator you won the Super Bowl The next year you went to the Super Bowl, your offensive line was absolutely like dismantled. You went out and signed a free agent in Joe Tooney. You drafted Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, who are now maybe two of the best interior offensive linemen in the game. And you went out and traded for Orlando Brown and also got Nick Bolton in that draft as well. Fixed two problems there. The next year you went and got pass rush and cornerback play. So let's add all that together. You patched your offensive line. You've rehashed your defense in last year and in previous years, and you've done everything that you knew that has been addressed. What needs to be addressed now? Wide receiver? Probably. Running back, hello, you found a diamond in the rough in the seventh round last year, and Isaiah Pacheco, who was a junior in college, came out early, and now you have him for the rest of time. Yeah, so you I don't, don't think need to the Chiefs that. are going
2: to be in on Bijan Robinson this no. year.
3: So what you do say does make sense, and again, I think that is really a question to lead up to Jay Bingley is to say that, you know, if every positional importance has been filled, and maybe you go out and get another edge rusher, because, I mean, I don't think you could ever have enough of those, right? Maybe that's a position of, of interest if you're Brett Veach. But again, Brett Veach seems to always have something in mind way ahead of time. And I always go back to the Sean Payton audio real quickly with Colin Coward, how he said that they went to see Patrick Mahomes uh, on his pro day and just kind of see how he was doing in Lubbock. It was really windy. And then they asked him all the, all the mind tests. And then he said, okay, we're going to get out of here like no one knew that we were here. And make sure no one knows that we were in Lubbock to see this Patrick Mahomes kid. Meanwhile, Brett Veach was there a month prior Already knew everything was already locked in and was going to get him no matter what. I and think that's how that happened.
2: I think there are two positions you're in on no matter what. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a pass rusher and wide receiver. Because no matter what you do with players currently on the roster, players who might be seeking extensions, impending free agents, those are positions that you can always bolster. Mm-hmm. If you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you can never have enough weapons on offense. Right. For any team, like you said, you can never have enough pass rushes. like left handed pitching. Right, so you're going to be targeting those positions Mm -hmm. no matter what. The two, and I think this is really similar to what it was last year. Like, if we were to give the top four positions that the Chiefs were targeting, if we were doing the mock drafts leading up to it, who could you see the Chiefs selecting? The four positions are the exact same as they were last year. Pass rusher and wide receiver, cornerback and tackle. But the reason why I put pass rusher and receiver ahead is because you've got two free agents or two guys who could be seeking extensions. We already know about Orlando Brown jr. Legereus needs entering the final year of his rookie deal. Will you try to resign Legereus Sneed? If so, what is that contract going to look like? We see this all the time in the NFL. If you know, there is the possibility of a guy leaving a year from now, you try to get out ahead of it. I wouldn't be shocked if the chiefs target cornerback again, which may seem a little odd knowing that you got three guys two of them basically started for you all year in last year's draft. Mm-hmm. But if you don't think Legarius Sneed's going to be on this team a year from now, would it really shock you if they go after cornerback again with a first round pick or with a high value pick? No. Cause
3: I think that's why they went cornerback this past year. Yeah. Also they, you know, they, I guess they compliment. I mean, I guess they, they put together two guys on the same side of the ball. Whereas if you have a good pass rush, your cornerbacks going to play better. If you have a better quarterback play, you're going to have a better pass rush outcome because of the situation that it can cause. Um, I really, truly, I know this is probably considered a hot take. I don't think LeJarius Sneed is on this team in two years. I mean, Harvarius Ward didn't get paid, and he's not obviously as good as LeJarius Sneed, but he got paid by the San Francisco 49ers very well. And I think LeJarius Sneed knows his worth. Uh, LeJarius Sneed has started to be changed in the way he plays the cornerback position as a shadow guy, not just a slot covering receiver, cornerback um, version, but now he is, I'm going to get, out and do more. My value is going to go up because now I'm going and and covering the best that there is on the other side of the ball, which does help your value, which is something that Spags never did. But now he did it because of the talent that LeJarrius need has. So that will cost a pretty penny to keep him here. If he does want that much money, if not, it's another one of those things that Brett Veach will do. But again, I think that we're at the point now where you have to just sit back and trust Brett Veach, right? It's like the old saying that we had with, with date more for a while that didn't, that didn't age, very well, but it was trust in GMDM. Yeah. And now it's like, you know what? Trust in GMBV, man. Like you have to know that Brett Veach has given you enough track record and enough evidence to know that he knows where this team is headed. Who knows, man? Maybe he drafts a defensive tackle and you're all of a sudden going, Oh, well, that would explain. And eventually we are gonna get on we're gonna get on track with this Brett Veach thing, because we're gonna go, oh, who'd he draft in the year prior? He drafted Brian Cook. Guess who's a free agent? Juan Thornhill.
2: But it took
3: took him a while to get there, right? Right. But still, like, he knew when those positions needed to be drafted. Groom them up. Once these guys demand money, they're gone. This guy can do it. The other thing about about the Chiefs in this team is, no matter who you draft, is probably going to play more games as a rookie than anybody else in the league because this team plays in the weeks 21, 22, 23 more often than not. So – Veach knows what this team needs. He knows where the weak spots or where the weak spots are, and uh, I'm at the point now where when it comes to the NFL draft night, my feet are on the table. I listen to Binkley. I read his mock drafts, and then I just go, you know what? Whatever Brett Veach knows, I assume Brett Veach knows what he needs.
2: We're gonna get to Jed talks here in just a minute, but mm. um, real quick, yeah, uh, have you seen mm-hmm. what Daniel Jones is reportedly asking for in a contract he on like? he extension? He wants like 35 per year, right? So the the latest is that he switched agents, right? He used to be with CAA. He mm-hmm. switched to a new agency, uh, Athletes First. Now, the expectation is that he's going to get the franchise tag slapped on him, which would be, I think, $32 million for mm-hmm. a quarterback. Yeah, but yeah, the expectation was that he would want about $35 million per year in a contract extension, which, you know, the saying goes with quarterbacks, you can't really overpay for one because five years from now, whatever is a big deal will be seen as the seventh or eighth or ninth biggest deal.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mike Florio a pro football talk reporting that $45 million per year could be the asking price for Daniel Jones. Um, Are you familiar with the idea of hemorrhaging a franchise with bleeding a company for an asset that is uh, far less valuable than what you pay for? Because that's exactly what this would be
3: this is also coming a day after where Saquon Barkley is rumored to be testing the free agent market. Who was more important to their team last year? Daniel Jones, who was tied with Marcus Mariota in touchdown passes and Mac Jones on yards per attempt or Saquon Barkley, who was an absolute beast again and got all the way and in t- deep into the playoffs.
2: Let me ask you a question right now. Uh, yeah. we, we, you just talked about trusting him, Brett Veach, right? Yeah. It's just, this guy has proven himself. He's got the track record. You just trust whatever he does. Do you think Brett Veach, would sign either of those players to a long-term contract extension? Neither one. Nope. I think you wouldn't have let Saquon get to that because
3: I think Probably not, but he's been
2: injured, so it's tough. Because I
3: think that the NFL can be twisted, and I think they could have, like, maybe, like, neglected Saquon a little bit and kind of, like, said, hey, man, like, you have injuries. Like, we're going to kind of do this. We're going to have these type of situations, and we're going to make sure that you get paid on our standards, and trust me, it'll work out. And I think that that— you could have gotten Saquon then when it was when it was down. Now, what Saquon Barkley did is he just turned it all around, gave you two middle figures, said, pay me or lose me. And now Daniel Jones in a perfect situation where he's like, you don't have a quarterback. You have no answer. I'm the best what you got, but I want to get paid because I know the market. Pay me or lose me, and you can suck. So Giants are in a tough one.
1: Nick's Notable Notes. Nick, obviously, in studio today, so hey. we get some Jed talks. We start in the world of the NBA, if that's okay with you boys. Hey, it's your, it's your segment, man. Take oh, it fair enough want. well it's Jabs. I don't, it's Jeb Talks. That's yeah, what I do. You're not listening? All right, let's just go to
2: break. All right. that was it? All right, that was it. No, uh, so Myers
1: Leonard is back in the NBA, signing a 10-day contract with the Bucks. this coming after he uttered a anti-Semitic slur mm. a few years ago. What do you guys think of
2: this? Good news, bad news? Well, bad news for the Bucks. I guess it's good news for Myers-Leonard. Here's, the, here's what's shocking to me. Myers-Leonard played nine seasons in the NBA, career averages of five points and four rebounds. And yet the NBA is like, you know what, though? Seven feet tall. Let's give him another as if a decade of of data is not enough to suggest that maybe this guy is just not going to be a difference maker in the league.
1: You can't coach seven feet like you were saying
2: coach seven feet. It's shocking to me, though.
3: So they they lose Giannis, arguably one of the top three players in the NBA, and they go get this guy who, uh, well, has a hot mic around 24 24 seven. Wasn't
2: it? Uh. Didn't he? Wasn't he on like a video? He was was, streaming video games games
1: and dropped dropped uh, video
2: games. Bring out the worst. If you want to see just the absolute worst type of people and not say all bad. Everybody plays video games is bad, but every bad person plays video games. If that makes sense.
1: It does. I agree with that. Staying in the world of the NBA, it appears like the Clippers are going to be the next team to bring on the Russell Westbrook disaster. How does Mm. this play out?
3: the same it's been playing out for Russell Westbrook for the last three years his game is gone his legs are dead and he doesn't have the basketball knowledge that he thinks he has Uh, and he's a cancer in locker rooms apparently
2: well I don't know if he's a cancer in the locker room but the first part of it is definitely true you can't in the NBA you can't rely on your athleticism forever you have to be able to evolve your game and that's why we've seen guys who succeeded uh, late into their 30s guys like Jason Kidd guys like Dirk Nowitzki who didn't need supreme athleticism to make an impact on the court. Russell uh, Russell Westbrook has always relied upon his athleticism, and now that that has left him, so has his efficiency. But the Clippers are desperate for relevancy in what seems like a pretty wide-open West, so I guess it makes sense. But again, going back to the idea of sample size, have we not seen enough to show you that Russell Westbrook at this phase in his career is not going to be a difference maker?
1: That's going to be a train wreck. I'm just going to say it right now. 100%. Moving to the world of college football, there's been rumors afoot that college football is considering different rules to shorten the games. What would you guys suggest as one rule to change to shorten college football games?
3: Uh, Stop stopping the clock every play and yes. put a two minute warning
2: in. Why wouldn't you just play the exact same rules in the NFL?
3: That's the number one that goes into my head. Is like, stop having the play clock stop after every play um, and uh, have a two minute warning. It's like, why is the college three pointer shorter than the NBA three pointer? Makes no sense. Why is there two halves in college basketball instead of four quarters? Yeah. Like. I mean with the
2: easy stuff for any, the easy stuff for any is is less replays. Yeah. Right? But the for college football, that is the most infuriating thing when you watch those games, they do feel like they drag on from play to play in a way that the NFL just doesn't because the clock is constantly stopping. It makes no sense. Yeah.
1: Last one from the world of college football. New Mexico State head coach Jerry Kill got a tattoo on his arm, as he promised, uh, for the team's bowl win. Would you guys do anything as foolhardy as this? We obviously know that Dusty <laughs> no, got a I'm tattoo. Done. I'm done
3: with tattoos. Wait, you're done? No, I'm going to get one more. But, Are you going to make uh, oh, wow. sure this
2: one is correct spelling?
3: Yeah it, yeah, it won't be hard. It's It'll be a sentimental one that's already been drawn up and everything. So I'm, it's we're good.
1: Well, now it's not easy for us to make a joke since you mentioned it's sentimental, yeah, so that kind of ruined that. that. Take that, well, asshat. You're the he one just who t- you just went double bird. popped
2: the shirt off to show us the misspelled tattoo earlier today. Because I'm about as real as it gets. Okay. Well, that's a perfect transition from Jed Talks, thank you, Jed, to what's coming up next. Are we sure we're doing this? Because this is a sort of polarizing discussion that has been had over the, the first hour of the show as to whether or not we should actually give This person, a platform here on six ten sports radio.
3: Yeah. They say don't
2: do it, but you know, you're listening.
3: He called you all wussies and fake asses and bleep writers and bleep writer. Well, he called me that, which I represent you chief's kingdom. And I'm not here to have it. And I, I I don't think his logic makes sense. And we're talking about Jason Brown. I get it. He's got his, he's got his clout and he's, he's, he's seeking attention. That's fine.
2: But again, like, it doesn't make sense. I want to hear it from my own ears, and I want to ask it from my own lips. You may have heard of him from Last Chance You, Jason Brown, joining the show for what is hopefully a very cathartic interview with our Dusty Likens and myself. We are with you here on 610 Sports Radio.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours